Is that what I'm saying? Rough trade radio. 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 Hello and welcome back to the Rough Trade Podcast. This week, very, very excited to have the wonderful Fontaine's DC grace the studio for the second time this year. This time, of course, to celebrate their Rough Trade album of the year. Now, at the time of recording, they are playing their final Rough Trade in-store of the year here at East tonight and can't bloody wait. It's a complete sellout as all of their gigs with us have been, but I'm sure we are in for an absolute blinder. Uh, Carlos and Deegan from the band are going to be joining me ahead of soundcheck, so do not go anywhere because that is coming up very, very soon. In other news, though, we announced our reissues and compilations of the year this week and to celebrate... I figured we should get Robin for a bit of a roundup special. So he'll be joining me very, very soon. But first up, though, and a new one for this week, Birmingham's The Prefects were a tense art punk band releasing just one 7-inch on Vindaloo slash Rough Trade and one John Peel session 12-inch. But for just over two years, around late 77 to early 79, the group were the most important post-punk band in Birmingham, UK. Going Through the Motions is the first full-length vinyl collection of the Prefects studio recordings and features 11 tracks, including some amazing live versions. It's a complete snapshot in time. It's a great listen and I would say an essential collection for any fan or follower of UK punk. The band, in fact, being, of course, one of the very first UK punk bands. So Rob will be joining me just after this, but this is the prefix and title track going through the motions.
So, hi, Rob. Hello. I don't really feel like I need to introduce you to the podcast because you're on it pretty much every week. Yeah. Except we never cross paths, which I guess is one of the quirks of, like, podcast creation. Uh, well, we're giving people a bit of a sneak behind the curtain. <laughs> yeah. It's like when you find out that hip-hop artists never actually meet each other, oh, but they're all featuring. I know, it's just like they're after a podcast. Mm. There we go. Very professional. So, as I mentioned at the beginning of the show, I thought it'd be cool to have you on because you are kind of the, the king of reissues. Well, so When it comes to the podcast, certainly. Um, so, we announced our reissues and comments of the year this week, um, and we've got quite... Well, a very decent list for 2019, actually scrolling through. I got a bit overwhelmed, I think, like when I was going through the list by just how many great records there have been this year, kind of outside the traditional, I guess, new music. Yeah, well, I think reissues are just like, we've really, it's a whole thing in itself. And I think now people get interested in reissues like they would get interested in new music. And it's sort of like, they kind of go hand in hand. It's not like, the old days of like twofers or sort of like dodgy reissues, everything's or you know just re sort of uh, re sort of bagging of old classic albums, which happens. But it's also really nice that people are really lovingly um, bringing back to life something that might not be heard or only part of like a real niche sort of. This is a five hundred pound record on Discogs sort yeah. of circles. Yeah, and so it's like it's brand new music again for a lot of people and sometimes it just sounds timeless and yeah. ends up like an influence in new music sometimes. Yeah, but let's get going and talk about some of these in ye old list. Should we maybe kick off with the number ones, kind of the queens of the castles? Yes, definitely. So the compilation of the year and the reissue of the year. So for compilations we have, and this is actually my best guess as to what was going to be picked for the number one, I've got to say. It's Bob Stanley's The Daisy Age which is, I mean, what a comp. Yeah, it's, cool, it's, a, isn't it? it's a really, it's weird because it's, it kind of like says it's, uh, it does say uh, on the on the notes, again, this wasn't really a scene. It wasn't really like, you know, it's not like the garage nuggets or whatever. It's kind of like, oh, it was this really interesting sort of in-between time with hip-hop, of hip-hop finding itself and then hip-hop sort of like becoming this behemoth. But it was a kind of like, very sample heavy, very sort of upbeat. Uh, there was a lot of positivity going around. There was a lot of sort of like jazz and funk and soul. Um, I guess like people thought that it was a very uh, sort of optimistic hip hop record. And I guess people thought that, oh, this is where hip hop's going. Obviously, it kind of didn't with sort of uh, what happened in sort of politics and all sorts of things uh, after that. So you did end up like with a sort of heavier hip hop sound. But this sort of like, really highlights a nice little fun stage of of hip-hop where it was like, yeah, the literal daisy age, it's all bright colours and yeah. bright, um, optimistic views. And, yeah. um, it says in the sleeve notes how Bob Stanley, who I, I think might have one of the best jobs in the world, uh, <laughs> put this together as sort of like with a bit of a British slant. So it was like saying he was taking the way that this music was sort of like coincided with uh, the um, sort of acid house movement and how like it was a really sort of fun exciting uh, summer and how that sort of like was able to translate over to what was happening in the UK so everybody was really sort of optimistic awesome and we have a rough trade exclusive yellow version of this Indeed. which I think we still got some copies of we do which you know bright 
happy. What, what other colour could it have exactly, been? Exactly, exactly. Um, Bob Stanley, I must actually mention this, is also co-alm of the week at Rough Trade UK this week. So he's done the Tim Peaks yes. compilation. So he's having a killer year, he really is. Um, Should we play a track from this one to give yeah. people a little taster in case they are new to it or just love it and want to hear it Yeah, again? let's play KMD Peach Fuzz. of my chinny chin chin. Yeah, but we 
That was KMD Peach Fuzz from the brilliant The Daisy Age, which is our rough trade number one compilation of the year. On to reissues then and the number one. This is The Mighty Prefab Sprout and I Trawl the Megahertz, which I think is probably going to make Niger's albums of the year list this year, as as among other people's. Um, What's your thoughts on this one? Oh, I mean, I'm a massive Prefab Sprout fan. And... uh, I call them the Durham Steely Dan, but I think I might be the only one. Uh, <laughs> just the thing is, like with pre Pre-Fab Sprout, and this record was originally put out in 2003 uh, because uh, under as a sort of Paddy Macaloon solo record, because it's it's not a traditional Prefab Sprout record. It doesn't have uh, that sort of sophisticated pop sound. Yeah, it doesn't really have any lyrics, so to speak. Um, so it doesn't really you do. It doesn't have that sort of trademark Paddy McAloon witticisms. Um, but this was created when uh, Paddy uh, was basically blind uh, for a period of time uh, from 1999 because he had uh, detached retinas. So all he could do at home was uh, listen to shortwave radio. He became obsessed with shortwave radio, mm-hmm. radio talk shows and phone-ins and all that sort of thing uh, and like sort of little dramas on the radio. That was his basically couldn't read and he, he found himself really uh, frustrated because he's a very sort of uh, very sort of like he needs to be creative kind of guy. He needs to be writing down. He needs to be making music and he just kind of couldn't. So we sort of made this record that's sort of soundscapes, really lush orchestration and sort of these little snippets from radio and talks. And what you have is sort of like... Yeah, it does. It, it, it's very sort of, I guess, cinematic in a complete radio yeah. sense. I was going to say, I remember when I heard this, because I'm a bit of a newcomer to Prefab. Um, kind of got a bit of a Disney Disney vibes, but in a cool way. Yeah. In a cool way, like like Disney cinematic, soundtracky. It that, def- that's, that's what goes on with me. I think, yeah, I think Paddy's like really good at adding a sort of bright murkiness, which I guess is a sort of thing that happens in those sort of classic Disney films. There's always like everything all seemingly bright and sprightly, but underlying there's like a darkness. A dark undertone, sure, yeah. Um, but it's it's really, really lush. And you're kind of like, as a, as a, as a fan of Paddy's voice, um, you're kind of left waiting for when he comes in. Um, on the track uh, Sleeping Rough, which I think we'll play, uh, you're kind of like left waiting to finally hear his voice. So when it comes in, it's like uh, a welcome friend. Yeah. But it's it's a really sort of like, I think it's a record that I wouldn't listen to like on my commute. I would listen to it at home. I'd put the record on, uh, maybe, you know, have a glass of wine or, yeah. a, a, you know, a nice warming drink. And It's just definitely sort of like a, that kind of soundtrack to whatever you're doing, isn't it? Like a being, just having a quiet moment or reading a book or, you know. Yes, yeah, it's, it's really wonderful. It's sort of like one of those records that really fills the room mm. as well. 
um, yeah, it's a wonderful record. And we're going to play, I think you said it just now. Uh, we're going to play Sleeping Rough. Here we go. That was wonderful prefab sprout. On to maybe just some other records then that feature in our lists. Have you got any particular favourites? Yeah, well, let's jump into talking about Sunnyside Up then. Oh, yes. Uh, So the Sunnyside Up comp uh, from Brownswood, who also brought you last year's We Out There, which uh, did a superb 
um, job of highlighting the London jazz scene, which I guess doesn't need any introduction anymore because everybody knows that, uh, you know, it's going through a renaissance period. Um, so I, ho- I think the, the plan is that this sunny side up does the same thing with um, the jazz scene in Melbourne and wider Australia. Um, and again, they've done an amazing job. The guys came in, I believe. Uh, they, they, the guys from Sunny Side Up, sort of collective of some of the jazz musicians yes. who played on it. For an instrument East. Yes, yeah, they yeah, came in and great. played. And that was really fun. They kind of all played together on each other's tracks. So it gave it a really sort of that nice communal spirit of jazz players being able to improvise and play with each other. And that sort of communication with musicians that... Uh, you know, kind of makes jazz musicians sometimes seem like otherworldly figures. <laughs> but what's so good about this as well is, and, and what the We Out Here comp has done, is it's kind of taken jazz from being fusty, kind of muso-y guys to sort of like, you know, the, the mix of people that we see coming to a lot of our jazz events, whether that's uh, Ezra Collective or um, Binker Golding. Um, so we, we're seeing like, the the jazz guys but we're also seeing like people who would probably go to a lot of hip-hop gigs a lot of grime gigs a lot yeah. of uh dance events so it's just really wonderful to see that like oh you know people yeah. are getting excited about jazz who yeah there's you know, that crossover yeah, yeah which is sort of like it's, it's, it's so fun because like i feel like when you say oh yeah i'm into jazz before it would be like oh you know, a bit fusty or a bit sort of muso-y or a bit sort of like beard strokey. But now it's sort of seen as, you know, people are up, they're dancing. You know, people are having a great time if the, if it was this or if it was like a pop act yeah. or an indie rock group. People yeah. are having a great time. Um, yeah, we'd like to play something from that comp, I guess. Yeah, let's do it. Uh, this is Lanius with Nice to See You.
brilliant Sunny Side Up, which I think is also Rough Trade exclusive we have. I believe so, yes. Just coming out of our ears. Um, on to, and finally, your other reissues of the year. Yes. Um, so one that we've been absolutely rinsing in the shop uh, is Rupert's Disco Jazz, um, which is one of those odd records. So it's been reissued by Numero, who I think, I don't, there aren't many labels as that as lovingly put together reissues as numero their feel quality you can tell that they've actually they're really well researched so they actually make sure that they track down the people who own the original masters so it's all legit and it's all really lovingly made so uh disco jazz was a record um uh so so uh, this indian singer she was over in Canada, uh, and her brother paid a thousand quid for or a thousand dollars to make this record with these sort of like just really, really good players uh, from Canada. So she put together this record, which is kind of neither disco, neither jazz. Sometimes it's proggy, sometimes it's rocky, uh, sometimes it has like a, a really nice sort of like Bollywood feel to it, of course. Um, so it's just like a a really, really fun, interesting record. Uh, and that's just one that we've sort of, we play in the shop and everybody yeah. seems to fall in love with it. Oh, yeah. I remember there was that period when um, it was just played over and over and again. And even if you've heard it before or it was played every day, every day I would still be like, what is this? What is this? And you'd kind of use your kind of human Shazam, I suppose, of the office by shouting that out. And then someone would reply, oh, it's that com. And then you'd be like, oh. And then I kind of, got to the point where every time it was put on I instantly recognised and knew what it was so that's when you know that it's sunk in and it's, and it's yeah. good stuff <laughs> <laughs> yeah I think we, we yeah I think it's one of those records that um, what you find with, with comps as well and why so many people in the shop as well really like them is that you the, the records that you can put on and I think people always want to sort of learn something new or find something new a little gem so the comps are sort of like a legit way of both finding new music, yeah. uh, old music, discovering stuff up, and then also making sure that, like, you know, it's not kept in the annals of sort of people's discogs or, you know, going into the world of OGs. It's sort of like opening it up into a new world, which is beyond, uh, you know, YouTube rips and stuff yeah. like that. Yeah. Um, so one of the stories was that Rupert's son was like, oh, you did a record back in the day, Mum. Mm. And he looked it up and it turned out that like there's like a million views on this uh, YouTube for this track, Ard Shanabar, which I think is the lead single, I guess. Yeah. And uh, yeah, the bloke from, your boy from Caribou was just like, oh, can't get enough of this tune. He used to play it out and stuff. And so kind of had a, a life of its own. Oh, wow. So she kind of recorded it and then it just kind of, as just a, this is my kind of project, but it's not going to go any further than whatever. I think and that it's just through the realms of word of mouth or yeah. ear to ear. It's, it's, it's one of those things that you, you do sometimes find that there'll be somebody who's like, I don't know, like made a record when they were in their 20s or when yeah. they were younger. And they were like, oh, oh, yeah, you know, and then it's like 40 years later and they're like, oh, I remember that when I was messing about as yeah, a kid. Yeah, yeah. Turned out that somebody's picked up this tape because there's always somebody who wants to... Who's who's after the the next holy grail after like discovering something? Yeah. So there'll always be like you know somebody who sort of like unearths this stuff and yeah. then kickstart it... some kind of long ago scene or yeah kind of vibe. Yeah. 
Yeah, so you do, you do find that there'll be like somebody's like, oh, this is pretty interesting. I feel like I've got like a, I found a little secret here. Yeah. And then they tell their friends and... Well, collectively, the entire staff of Rochard East would like to say a sincere thanks to uh, <laughs> for unearthing it because it's just been, it's been great. I yeah. Um, and I think probably my my personal reissue of the year goes yeah. to um, Blue Jean Tyranny. Okay. And Out of the Blue... Um, I guess, you know, something in that title, Out of the Blue. I haven't heard a record called Out of the Blue that isn't amazing. Uh, and Unseen Worlds released it. So it's the first, this is a first ever LP reissue. And uh, it's, it's a debut LP. And uh, it was on a, a label called Lovely Music, which I hadn't heard too much about, but was sort of like very much just sort of like quite nice avant-garde, but kind of soft pop records. Um, it was put out in 1978 on, uh, I think on tape or it, it came out in some sort of form, but this sounds like it could be released today. Like it sounds like a wise blood record. It sounds like it could be an aerial pink record. It's got sort of like half sort of indie pop, um, but like a kind of like nice pastoral psychedelic indie pop. Then it goes into sort of that kind of record collectory funk psych prog stuff. And then it becomes not too dissimilar actually from um I Troll the Megahertz in that it okay. becomes a sort of sound collage record, uh, which is the which sort of dominates the second half. But it's honestly a, a wonderful record that I think uh, everybody is it's another one of those ones that when we play in the shop yeah. people were like what is this yeah because it just feels like some little secret yeah. or something yeah um, so yeah should we play a track from that yeah let's do it I think uh, you've, you've I think everyone's like on a cliff edge waiting to hear this what one, is it well this up. is uh, yeah this is a track Next Time Might Be Your Time uh, by Blue Jean Tyranny off the record Out of the Blue
So that wraps our little extended Rob's Roundup for uh, this week. Thanks Rob, thank you so much for coming on. Oh, thanks for having me. Um, you can find all of those reissue and comps lists live now on roughtrade.com, both US and UK. Um, Rob, before you go, I'm just going to ask you what your album of the year is, seeing Ooh. as we've got you. Ooh. And it's that time of year. It is that time of year. My album of the year is it's, it's a toss-up between... Is it a comp or a reissue? No. Okay. No, not at all. So Tim Heidecker's um, What the Broken Hearted Do, which Tim Heidecker off Tim and Eric. Uh, also in Bridesmaids, he's, he's the the groom in Bridesmaid, but doesn't talk. That's such a fun fact. <laughs> yeah. So he's he also like does his really good like kind of comedy records. Yeah. And he made this record based on a rumor that he'd split up with his wife, but he hadn't. So he made a record imagining that he'd been dumped basically and he was a sort of like lonely bachelor <laughs> and sort of like you know still couldn't get over this um over his his wife or whatever and uh, it sounds like it's produced by Johnny Rado who I think as I don't know he seems to have the golden touch this year from Wise Blood as we mentioned earlier uh he's on the uh Jackie Cohen record he also produced uh well, I guess the Foxygen record as well. But he's been, he's been everywhere and everything he's done has been absolute gold. Uh, but uh, it sounds like Neil Young. It sounds like Randy Newman. It sounds like uh, it sounds like proper 70s FM radio. Mm. And it's great. I guess that's my favorite record of the year. But also, like, I can't look past Purple Mountains either because that song's just, that album's just, it's, it's beautiful. And it's so full of wit and Dan, uh, Dan's uh, great one-liners. And, you know, it's, it's really sad that that's, that's going to be the only Purple mm. Mountains record that we're going to get, sadly. Um, but that's that, that, they'd be my two records of the year. Okay. And if I were to ask you to pick a track from either to play right now? I've uh, put you on the spot here, I really have. Oh, okay, <laughs> cool. Um, well, I'd pick Tim Heidecker's um, Funeral Shoes. Okay, wicked. Rob, thank you so, so much. And we will see you... Back here, I think in a couple of weeks, if I got my schedule right. And yeah, because we've got staff albums of the year coming up and also counterculture, which I'm very excited about. Very exciting. Um, but yeah, thank you very, very much. No worries. I'm going to get takeout for lunch. I'm going to get taken out for dinner. I'm going to get breakfast in bed with whoever I'm with. I'm going to get high with some old friends. I'm going to get drunk with my mother and father. Then I'm going to run through the lawn of the house where we used to live. Sign the guest book, then I'm off the hook. I hide my feet beneath the pews. 
of here I'm gonna go back to the sunshine Won't come back east Until another one bites the dust This place that Billy Joel sang about Means nothing to me anymore Only a memory Just a pile of rubble and rust Thank you so much to Rob and now it is time to skip over to 5 to 1 where I caught up with Carlos and Deegan of Fontaine CC to chat albums of the year and unstoppable 2019 and keeping it real. Five to one, baby. So guys, welcome back to Rough Trade. I spoke to you last when Doggle was released back in spring and I think it's pretty safe to say that a lot has happened since then. One being Rough Trade Arms of the Year and you guys topping the chart. Um, congratulations, it's a hugely deserving album. You guys are a hugely deserving band. Um, just kind of wanted to start and say you guys have been seemingly like everywhere at the moment. That must be... I guess the attention must be very, very overwhelming. Um, so I kind of wanted to ask just how you're doing and how you guys are doing as a band and how you kind of manage this kind of level of press. Um, we're doing really well at the moment, actually. Thanks for asking. <laughs> um, we just got a tour bus for the first time, so we're sleeping really well and um, uh, it's an awful lot less strain, the whole touring thing. Um, whereas during the summer with all the festivals we're doing, we did so many in such a sh like amount of time. We did like 12 weeks of festivals, wow. four festivals uh, a week with, with which flights, with flights that actually means that you're basically always moving and always gigging and really run us down and really push us to the edge. Yeah. Um, especially with press in between all that as well, you know, so it was actually uh, quite tough. Hmm. Um, and I know that like we live really privileged lives, but from the fact that we get to do what we get to do, which is amazing. But um, you know that is tough as well. Um, but at the moment we're great. You know we're over the the, the hill and uh, about to go into a couple of weeks off for Christmas. So yeah, great. that'd be really nice. I bet like going home. Have you spent much time at home at all this year? No, really, no. I I moved into a new house in Dublin with my girlfriend uh, back in July. Okay. And yeah. Uh, 
I haven't been there really. Like, I think I spent like 10 days there or something like oh that. Maybe God. a bit more. But, very patient, um, man. Yeah, it really is. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I not say that. <laughs> oh, gosh, moving on. <laughs> um, one of the things we noticed about you here in Rough Trade, and I think one of the things that makes you guys so unique, um, is kind of how natural you remain to be. There's no pretense about you. There's no like overbearing showmanship. You guys are just very much being your very honest selves. Um, and I think it feels like, I was saying this to you just before we sat down, it feels like you've been around for years, like just that kind of confidence about your music and the way you perform. Um, and I think it's really, really infectious. Um, I think you were signed to Partisan in October last year. Just uh, October last year, was it? Um, we signed in May last year. May yeah. last year. I think they didn't announces until October okay. or something yeah. like that. Yeah. But still, like, under two years. But it, I guess you have been a band for much longer than that. Um, so I guess you probably get the feeling that not much has changed between the band that you forged and the band that you are now. Um, and that you, you know, through Jimmy Fallon, the, all the mainstream press you've had, the festivals, everything, do you feel like you can still very much remain yourselves? Uh, it's pretty hard to be honest to remain yeah. like I mean I think the band has become like such a strong uh, I mean I, I'm just going to use the word identity because um, it is it does have a like a, it just it, live, it lives and it breathes and it's a certain way you know mm. and um, but uh, in that it's hard to like uh, maintain like your own sense of self yeah sure um, um, like uh, when we started off in Dublin and we were five young lads with the dream of really making music our life uh, we were always fighting for the identity of us being musicians and us um, being the people that we saw ourselves to be as opposed to you know uh, waiters in restaurants or whatever we were doing at the time mm. um, and now we've been so swept up and busy with all everything um, it's actually the flip we have to fight to keep the identity of you know I'm a mother's son or my sister's brother and mm. all that stuff um, is 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 more difficult. Is the thing that you have to fight for now, and, yeah. Um, because we could easily become consumed by it, and th I don't know if you've met people who have just become completely consumed by that life, but they're horrible. Like mm. they have lost their humanity, and they actually are just talking heads of talking about celebrity and famous people, and, mm. and they have no connection with the humanity, and they uh, they're just so egotistical. And so it's scary, actually. Yeah. It's scary because the longer you, the, we we're just introduced to this world now, but it really, uh, it is really shocking the the people that you meet. Like it's yeah. scary. Yeah, but I guess when you were first playing and you had that dream, did you ever think now that you're kind of living that, is it a lot harder than you thought it would be to kind of, even though you kind of probably thought in your heads, oh, I'll never be sucked into that kind of machine. Yeah, I mean, it definitely is. I feel like, you know. Back then, you'd think if if this goes this way and this happens, and then we'll we'll be able to live from from uh, our music yeah. and just do that thing as the thing that we do. Yeah. Um, everything's gonna be fine, you know. You think like yeah. any of my like mental struggles are gonna be all right, you know. And then it's not at all, you know. Like that that kind of like, obviously like this is I wouldn't want to. I don't want to go back to like doing the job that I had before. Um, but uh. It doesn't, you know, it kind of like, I feel like everything that's like inside of you is, is still there, you know, it's not mm. changed by uh, mm. by anything around it. And, and what can happen sometimes is that instead of being changed, it just kind of gets like pushed down. And uh, 
you just have to like be really aware of uh, who you are. Yeah. To, like, just yeah. It's, like I think it's really easy to lose yourself. I, I I don't I think I've I've because you think I'd never like this will never affect the person I am. But then yeah. then you suddenly just find yourself and you're like thinking a certain way or like you've been acting a certain way for a week. Yeah. And you're like, who is this person? Like, really? you know, wow. who am I? Yeah. And then you go home and then you kind of like, you know, you just kind of go back to normal for a bit. And then, yeah. but then it's really confusing because then you're like, actually, can I keep this that I have at it's home? It's like a double going? life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But man, even when we're at our worst, we're still not as bad as some of the heads that are going yeah. around. Because yeah. like, we were playing a gig in Brighton there the last day and I jokingly started shouting about the fact that there was no mustard backstage. And I was like, we can't work under these conditions. And I was yeah. shouting really loudly about it as a joke. like. And then I went downstairs and you should have seen the look on the rep's face. like He was like, oh he, cause he was just like, <laughs> and uh, obviously he's used to this kind of behavior and that yeah. shocked me so much. I was like, oh man, I was joking. Like, yeah. yeah. I used to work um, for Brixton, like for Academy Music Group at Brixton Academy, which is where the head office was. And we'd always see like the riders from like that the bands had from the night before and sometimes eat the leftovers of said riders. But some of them were like, depending on who was coming in, obviously, were crazy. And they probably ate like a fifth of it. Yeah. But it had to be there. Like the, de- the demand was like the most crucial point. I imagine when you guys play Brixton, there won't be all that fancy shit on there. I but I guess it, it is one of those things that people probably fall into and then it becomes very, just a very natural, normal thing for them. Yeah. Yeah. I think, yeah, it depends on what kind of, uh, you know, how business orientated you are as well. Like, because you do pay for all that stuff. In the yeah. End, you know? Yeah. And yeah, that comes with our, our own pocket. Yeah. You know, yeah. So we do pay for it. We just yeah. get sandwiches. I mean, we get stuff to make our own sandwiches. So yeah. we feel a bit more like <laughs> it's normal. Great, yeah. You know, it's better than just getting like packed sandwiches. Yeah. You just get all the different elements and you make it yourself. Yeah. And it, it does actually. It's amazing when you get a, a knife. A piece of bread, and you just put some butter on it, you know. Yeah, like, I'm and it just feels actually it's such a, it's actually a big thing to do, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love the rough trade sandwich podcast. <laughs> <laughs> New series coming soon. Um, but do you feel that you've got enough people around you to kind of support you and keep you kind of, I guess, for want of a better phrase, like feet on the ground? And yeah, I mean, stuff. I think I think we have one another, and yeah. I think that's something we need to kind of keep like. Yeah. You just need to be aware and aware and aware and you need to remember remind yeah. yourself. It um, definitely comes through, I think, you know, when you're performing and when you guys are together and stuff that you're very much like a tight unit and yeah, I as think I the, say, there's no, no That's pretending. the biggest thing. I think I wouldn't want anyone to like some outsider to come over to tell me that everything's gonna be fine and that I'm still sure. relevant or anything like that, you know. Yeah. I kinda I wanna be still be able to like, communicate with the other four boys and yeah. and just actually have mm. each other, you know. Yeah. I think it'd be really sad if there's one day where we don't do that between us, but we have like this big team of people that do it for us, mm. you know. Like, yeah, like the only person whose uh, t- like taste or opinion I really care about when it comes to our music is the lads in the band mm. yeah. and our manager Trev. Mm. Yeah. Um, and I might show them to new songs to people who are close to us to see what they think. But uh, I never really take it to heart. I yeah. just go, okay, that's interesting. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. But because uh, I think that uh, let your ego or your art um, be di- like the quality of it or the health of your ego to be dictated by someone external to who you are or who your music or your art is, uh, it's really, really detrimental and really, really dangerous because what happens when that's gone? Mm. And who do you become? What, what, your ego would fall apart. Like. Yeah. yeah. It's so dangerous. Yeah. Mm. But this is what I mean about that how you guys are kind of unique because what you just said there I would expect somebody who'd been had a 10 album down career to come in here and say that sort of thing like you're very 
self-aware, I suppose, very early on, which is particularly in, you know, today with social media and everything can get so crazy very, very fast. I guess it's nice to have that kind of grounded yeah. feeling and share it amongst all. Yeah, I mean, we, would, we don't know anything else. Yeah. yeah. So moving on a little bit and just to tonight, because you're playing your final Rough Trade in-store um, to celebrate your album of the year. Um, how have the shows been thus far? You played Bristol and Nottingham and you did a signing at Rough Trade West last week. Definitely good. Uh, Bristol was uh, cool. We played that, uh, that venue, that Rough Trade. Uh, yes, venue that SWF. We played it at... Uh, well, no, but like the, the venue in Rough Trade, like the oh little, yeah, uh, in store, yeah, in store, yeah. They played that loads. And it yeah, was, uh, it's always great going back. We yeah. played one of our first shows there. The, the fire alarm went off, and uh, I think you told me this last time. Yeah, I did. Which I, yeah. Really <laughs> well, I'm not going to repeat myself. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> no, it's fine. No, that I guess it's sort of moments like that that make it stuff memorable. I yeah. suppose. But uh, it was good going back there. Um, yeah, yeah. It's uh, I feel in a way it feels like we're re-releasing the album. Because we're doing this whole thing again of yeah. like play, touring the UK and playing in stores and doing signings and stuff like that. We did all of that like yeah. six months ago yeah. and now we're doing it all over again. But this second time around, do you feel like the reaction is very different? Uh, like, completely different, yeah. I, I saying I saw it at the forum last week and, you know, that's massive venue, huge crowd, you know, massive, I suppose, a massive expectation as well. But do you feel like the response is, I guess people know the songs better and... Yeah. And things like that. Does that really come across when you're up there? Yeah, it is completely different. Like the whole thing is even the way people it's weird kinda like when in the signings, like when we did the first like in stores and signings, it was kinda very like normal, kinda like, Well done lads, great record, mm. you know, and you're like, Oh, mm. thanks very much, really appreciate that, you know. And now it's kinda like there's a bit of that, but people are like so nervous, you know, and like yeah. they come over and they sign the record and they're like, Thank you, thanks, thanks so much, yeah, yeah. And you're like all right, man, yeah, yeah, yes. <laughs> and, uh, you know, and, and there's some, like, beautiful things where, like, you know, it's like people, you know, will bring their kids, their kids to the in-stores because they can't get to the venues. Yeah. And you have these, like, little, like, 10-year-old kids With, coming like, up. With, headphones yeah, on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, there was one kid that was, like, in the Bristol in-store that was, uh, he came over and he, he brought this drawing that he'd done of the five of us. Aww. And uh, it was so, so cute. And then he, he came into... Watch the gig yeah. and uh, spend the whole gig drawing, and he did a, a little portrait of each one of us. Oh wow! Yeah, and I'm looking at it right now. Oh my god, that's amazing! Yes, that's so good. So good. Look how that, what's mad is the queen is smiling. In this. <laughs> <laughs> Makes no sense. <coughs> yeah, um, the Bristol show that night was uh, great as well. It was probably my highlight of the was whole it? tour. Yeah, yeah. Um, there was this really class moment where uh, someone threw a shoe at the stage, and then uh, Green picked it up and went. Whose shoe is this? And a guy stuck up his hand saying it was his shoe. Yeah. And he caught it. But then, uh, I don't know, what did Green say? He actually said, show me your feet. Yeah, show me your feet. Yeah. <laughs> and so then actually another guy got picked up. Yeah. And he was put, turned upside down and he showed that it actually was his bare foot. So then there was two guys in the crowd that were being held up. One of them with the shoe and the other one whose upside shoe it down. was <laughs> upside down. And the crowd brought them together and they put the shoe back on his foot. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Where was that? At SWX? Yeah, yeah, yeah. that was amazing. Oh that was brilliant, man. Yeah. You couldn't stop laughing. We were, laughing. Stop laughing. We were trying to play Dublin City Sky yeah. after that and he just turned around because <laughs> he was laughing so much. It was just like, you know, the, the slow song, you know, the, yeah. like, the dramatic the quiet moments. moments. Yeah. And I'm just there, like bent over just can't stop laughing like, <laughs> Oh, literally start playing. I was doing like, the same like, yeah. I was doing the whole intro and I was just turned around to Tom blocking his face so I was the two of us laughing oh my god that's so funny they must be like the best moments is performing live like the best thing about your job 
Um, one of the best things. Yeah. 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 Recording yeah. the albums as well is just yeah. Yeah. And writing it. Yeah, all of it, all of it. Speaking of writing, to celebrate Doggle, obviously being our album of the year, you kind of released a got a twelve inch vinyl um, edition called Darklands Versions which uh, features uh, some really early raw versions from your singles from 2017 and 2018, and it also has two new tracks, You Can't Realise and More Than Anything. Um, am I correct in thinking Darklands, is that the name of the studio? It's the yeah. name of the studio, yeah. And these new tracks, you actually went back there to, to record them yeah. for this Yeah, we release. just did it one of the last days of the summer. Um, we were working on no new music anyways, and then, you know, this whole thing came in and they told us that... Um, you wanted to, Rough Trade wanted something new and an exclusive and just seemed like the perfect excuse to go back in mm. with uh, with Dan Doherty, who produced the first singles. Yeah. And uh, he's a he's a good friend of ours now from just going into that studio and doing the first singles. And He's a good producer as well. Yeah, he's great. And it was just great having an excuse to go back in. So yeah. we just kind of put those two songs together yeah. real quick. And um, I went back in with him and it was one of the best things we've done this year, to be honest, going back in with Dan. Um, and yeah. I, I I really want to keep doing stuff with him. I really want to like just any like opportunity like yeah. that that we can do yeah. stuff. Does it feel like kind of going back to your I guess home roots? Do you feel very comfortable in that surrounding yeah. kind of producing, being creative and stuff? Yeah, it's really great going back to that because it makes you feel back in touch with who you were then, mm. which is nice. But also it's strange because you feel how you've grown, mm. like. Uh, you know what new things you know about music and producing and writing songs and mm. all that yeah. kind of stuff it's it's really cool yeah even from those the the really raw singles that are on there you obviously i think is it boys in the better land you've definitely sped it up yeah. i want to say like yeah. and just hearing the two side by side yeah um if you played you know doggle and then played the dark ones is is even like really interesting yeah because we wrote that song and then we hadn't really played it live that much and so it just happened like it was that 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 speed that we were playing at when we were writing it. But then from playing it live, it just kind of like naturally felt like a song that mm. yeah. should be faster. Yeah. And because it has such an energy when there, when it is a bit faster, you know. Yeah. Really, actually, like the moment you play the the moment that song starts, everyone just starts jumping in the club. Yeah. And then the the beat kicks in and it's just insane. Yeah. So it just that song is meant to be like that, but when we wrote it, we didn't really realize that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Is it really exciting when you kind of know that one's coming up in a set? Yeah, yeah. Because you know everyone's going to go so crazy. Good. Yeah. <laughs> actually, in that same um, SWX gig, um, we were standing on stage and he does his riff, and uh, Green, me and Green come in together. It's the bass and the tambourine, yeah. and Green just comes over, walking over to me, and says into my ear, "This is the best gig we've ever played." <laughs> <laughs> I'm just like, yeah. And then when we, the drums kick in, we all just kick, and it's just like so gratifying. Aww. Yeah, I was I was really amazing because it was just after that. Uh, moment with the shoe thing so yeah. I, I just felt really in touch with the whole crowd yeah, yeah, and then yeah. to feel so in touch with all of you as well because that yeah. intro it was just a really harmonious like, yeah. spiritual thing yeah, it was yeah. really great I love the idea of in like 20 years the man that lost the shoe like meets you somewhere <laughs> I know yeah <laughs> that would just be gold it really would yeah. um, but I'm so glad that you released um the Darkland Sessions. I think it's such a cool thing to be able to own, particularly if you've kind of lived and loved Doggle for such a long time. Mm. Um, as a fan, I think it's it's great. Um, but speaking maybe of the future, because you've put two kind of new songs on there, are you writing? Presumably, definitely, yes. And is there going to be an album too at some point? We did a lot of writing this summer because we needed it. Um, we just kind of felt like all that travelling and flying and stuff was... Yeah. Just felt like you know it was it almost it was it took so much out of you that it felt like the actual playing of the gigs 
was secondary, you know? Yeah. Because you were just getting through these horrible travel days. Yeah. And then you just had to do this thing and we just needed to get back together and actually put writing and be in a band. Yeah. To, like as the most important thing that we do. So mm. is songwriting like a bit of a relief for you? Yeah. Because I feel like some people maybe see it not as a chore, but I guess some bands probably well, find that's it. That's the most quite exciting hard. thing. That's where you get yeah. your energy from, you know? That's yeah. like you get, I don't know how you could tour and do everything if you thought that you hadn't written anything new mm. um, for two years or anything yeah. like that. You know? it, it renews my sense of uh, I can write songs. And, yeah. You know, it's, a, it's more of a living document of energies between us and everything yeah. as well when there's new songs. Yeah. Uh, like, yeah, it was, it was really, really uh, rewarding to go back in with you guys. Yeah. Um, yeah, as for the songs on the Darklands versions thing, uh, more than anything is actually pretty old. Uh, that's like a three years old that song. Oh right, what the two? I guess we say new because we they're yeah. unheard yeah, yeah, to us. Yeah, I'm just I just want to say that I just want to put that. Okay. Out. And even no, you can't realise it was kind of like that uh, that chorus idea was had been hanging around for a while. Like yeah, as uh, well. Yeah, that that's yeah. from I remember that from Switzerland and yeah, like January. Yeah, that been hanging around for a while. Yeah, it was yeah, just kind of like okay. two ideas that had been left yeah. behind and we just revisited them. Yeah, yeah so they're actually not uh, indicative of. Uh, the stuff that is coming in the future. Yeah. Okay. And that's why half of why we chose them for that. Yeah. Um, just because um, they're more of a snapshot of that time period, you know? Mm. Mm. Yeah. While they're re recorded, they're, they're recorded in Darklands only a while ago, they're more of the time period of Doggirl or before that. Yeah. 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 Well, they're really special to have. So thank you so, so much for yeah. agreeing oh, to record them for so. us. Um, and you can get them on CD, I think, if anyone buys Doggirl as well, which mm. is really cool. Um, I think we, just going back to what you're saying about songwriting, I think it's very indicative of how much obviously songwriting means to you guys as a band. Is that kind of the most, is that at the heart of who you are and what is the most important thing to yeah. kind of keep oh, doing? Oh, absolutely, yeah. 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 For yeah. me, there's nothing better than leaving a, because when we write, we always demo as well. Mm -hmm. We have our, our room set up so that everything is mic'd up. If we write a song, we'll try, like when, when we know it's finished, we'll try have a recording of it by the end of, you know, finishing the, the song. So then you get to, like, go walk home listening to that. That's one of my favourite things in the world, Aww. walking home, listening to a yeah. new song that we just made. That's, wow. like, I don't know, there's not much better than that to me. Yeah. And then when you've doing, you're have doing that for a few weeks and that list, that playlist on new songs and your phone gets bigger and bigger. Yeah. You know, the first day is, you're like, you're literally li listening to one song, like, 15 times in a row until you yeah. get home, you know? And then... If you're there for a few weeks, then you just have like all these different songs that you actually just listen together. Yeah. Like it, it excites me so much. Like even when we, he's talking <coughs> about walking home, like I'd walk home along the canal in Dublin. Yeah. And I'd get back to my house and we'd record all of them onto my laptop um, using an interface. Um, but I'd bring my laptop home with me and then I'd sit on the couch, <coughs> talk to my housemate for half an hour and then just start mixing the songs and start mm. editing them and seeing what effects I could put on them. And didn't then wake up in the morning, go straight back in and everything. Yeah. Like it was just... Well, yeah. Just, it's everything. Like it's it's actually relaxing to, yeah. to mix them as well. Like it's yeah, yeah. It's just I don't know. There's something special. There's something I don't know. You can't really describe it when like you didn't have this thing in your life, and then you've just made a thing mm. that you get a lot of joy from. Mm. Yeah. Yourself, you know, and yeah. um, with like with the the other lads, you know. Yeah. And I, I guess feel like for me, it's like one of the most exciting things as well is just seeing what um what everyone else in that room can do. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, I'm, I love, I'm just blown away by everyone else and what they can bring to the table. So it's just like, 
It's not at all. I, I don't feel like it's like an egotistical thing of like, no. oh, I've just made this thing. It's just yeah. more so being like, jeez, no, I can't believe what, you know, it's like yeah. a come, that thing that Dior wrote, that bass line is amazing, you know, or like, you know, I'm just thinking like that is. Yeah. yeah. That's my favorite thing. Like, I feel like it is competitive, but in a really, really healthy way. Yeah, because we push each other to yeah, like, yeah. To, okay. yeah. to actually kind of like let go of like any kind of like insecurity that would, you know, hold you yeah. back from writing. And so you just like, the more one person does it, the more the other one is going to do it. You know? yeah. yeah that's really cool I think the closest I could describe as defeating what you're talking about walking home is when when I've made a podcast and then I listen back to it and it's all come together from the little edits and the little bits that we've done and it's like one show that's yeah. just a my self-indulgent yeah, that's it's, the same. No, it's not it's quite just the same because like, it's not songwriting no but you have to be like but it's like something you've I guess made and it's your own yeah. Yeah, it's absolutely. Yours, yeah. yeah so yeah well, guys, thank you so, so much for chatting to me. You are going to be sound checking pretty soon, I think. I suppose, yeah. In a couple of hours or so. Can't wait for tonight. It's going to be really, really great. Sold out crowd, as I think have all of your in-stores been. Yes. Yeah. Um, I just wanted to, I think if we play out maybe with a Darkness track. Okay. That could be cool. But just before that, I wanted to ask you, do you have an album of the year that you might want to chat a little bit about I've been asking everyone this this time yeah. I was just thinking that actually earlier um, and um, I think my favourite album this year the one I've definitely listened to the most is uh, Aldous Harding uh, Designer yeah yeah. Yeah. is that even how you pronounce her name Aldous yeah. Aldous 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 anyways her record is probably the one that I've listened to the most Yeah. that's some, the summer where we were flying every day that's the thing I listen to on every yeah. flight like okay, literally wow. every day, I just mm. like put it on because I find it's just so good. Yeah, so relaxing and just yeah. nice. And actually, she was our album of the year two years ago. So oh yeah, pass the baton on a little bit. Oh, nice, oh, that's nice. Yeah. <laughs> um. So which darkness track shall we play? Do you guys have a preference? You can't realize. Yeah. Why not? Yeah. I haven't yeah. heard it in ages. I haven't heard it since yeah. we did it. Yeah. yeah same. <laughs> <laughs> guys, thank you so so much. Thank you.
That was Fontaine's DC. Doggle is our album of the year and you can pick it up on Rough Trade exclusive marble vinyl right now alongside, of course, the exclusive Darklands 12-inch, which I cannot recommend enough. So we've reached the end of the show and to further celebrate our reissues of the year and following on from my chat with Rob, I figured I'm going to play out with a bit of the brilliant and super infectious Rupert and Disco Jazz. So it's one to have up your sleeve for Christmas and New Year, um, or even just to jazz up a rainy day. What a record this is. My memory isn't really letting me in on whether I've played this before, but sod it, it's brilliant. So this is East West Shuffle. Thank you so, so much for listening, and I will catch you in the next one. Bye.
Rough Trade Radio. Reviews and subscriptions help to support what we do. So if you like what you hear, then please rate us on iTunes.